everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mature Audiences Mayhem. My name is Glenn King, and it is my great honor to bring you this podcast where we talk about the things that other podcasts either cannot or will not talk about. That is, things that are intended for mature audiences only. Today, a very special guest. Uh, she is stunningly beautiful. She is one of the top performers in the adult film industry today. She is the reigning queen of BBWs, the AVN BBW of the year. She is the great Sophia Rose. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I got my sound effect working right. Sophia Rose, um, you know, you're an amazing performer. You are, as we call, a BBW, and I think it's... I hate using the term with you. It's a little bit limiting because you're just simply a beautiful person, a beautiful performer. And when we book people for MeanBitches.com, we're not necessarily looking for a BBW or for a uh, tall person or short person or whatever. We're just looking for the most beautiful women, the most compelling performers in the industry. And that's that's why we shot you. And it's one of our most popular scenes ever. And so that makes a lot of sense there. And I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Uh, just quickly for our listeners uh, who always want me to tell them uh, what she looks like. Now, unfortunately, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, I can't be in the same room with her. But she was kind enough to let me see her on Skype. I'm looking at her right now. She's wearing a yellow sundress, but all I see are boobs uh, because the boobs have captured, like in the boob versus dress battle, boobs have won. The boobs always win. <laughs> the boobs are popping out. My bra out. often loses. My underwire becomes the casualty. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Your boobs are humongous. Uh, you're, you're, she's wearing makeup, uh, which is great because most of our performers don't wear makeup these days as they stay home. Well, the there's pandemic. two reasons. One, because I thought this was a video, ah. <laughs> so I got ready for you. But as soon as we're done, I have uh, content to shoot. So there you go. Okay, good. My face has to be on. All right, well, let's start in the beginning with uh, with Sophia Rose here. Sophia, uh, you got into the industry relatively late uh, at age 30. What were you doing before then? I was working in corporate America. I was an executive assistant to um, various people high, high up um, in the totem pole of corporate business. And... Um, I got a really uh, in the sales and marketing departments and I've gotten some really good experience. And then I've also been a bartender and a United States postmaster. And I've done other little odd jobs here and there too. But majority of it was uh, the executive assistant was my main job. I even worked at Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So much to unpack there. Okay. Well, first off, when we (laughs) shot you in a scene, you came across as incredibly powerful as a, as an executive or an office person. Would the people that worked with you in offices remember you as like this powerful, demanding bitch or this sex bomb that was working in the office with us? Neither. They would know me as a um, as a uh, very kind and polite person who um, knew how to make her point politically correct. Okay. So very successful. I, I used to have sales guys that would say, you know why I always come to you? I come to you because you can say no with a smile on your face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean, yeah, that would be the makings of somebody who, who can be a mean bitch. But I, have to, I had to be pushed. You had to be super 
aggressive with me um, to push me to a, to a, be a mean person, but um, I was definitely assertive, but knew people knew how to make people feel good about, you know, yeah. getting rejected or turned down for what they wanted. But yeah, that is a skill that is very important in the business world. Also in life. Um, yeah. But let's go back to the postmaster job because I'm sort of writing a scene in my head right now where <laughs> I, I come, I look out the window and I'm like, oh, there's the mailman. Uh, but wait a minute, look at her, look at that big butt on her, and uh-huh. uh, then she comes like, on. Uh, back when I used to work at the post office, I used to tell people, <laughs> I, I I put my hands all over your package. <laughs> So, you know, people love that. Um, I was always inappropriate and, and, you know, you never knew what to expect out of my mouth. I just was, I, I, I'm in the right business now. <laughs> so in Southern California, you were delivering the mail to my house and I didn't even realize it? No, actually, I lived in New England and it was a small office in a small town, quiet town, which was why I agreed to the job. Um, I've never been a carrier and I've never <laughs> driven a postal truck. <laughs> uh Okay. Uh, so what does a postmaster do then? Um, I ran the office. I was a, uh, I, I had a government credit card and I, and I had a lot of financial responsibility for the actual office. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that um, it's actually, it's, while it's um, a government entity, it's still an independent business and it's the only government business um, that actually generates its own income. So um, we had, like it was treated like a sales, like, like a franchise, yeah. you know, I have my office. This is how much revenue I'm supposed to generate. This is how much money I'm allowed to spend based on the revenue that I generate. And it's my job to continue. I still had to upsell and do the same things. And I had people responsible for, you know, doing their jobs too. So, um, yeah, you, you run an office like you do a franchise pretty much in my mind. And it, it was a fun job. You get to know people and, and, you know, you, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders, but it, it was, it's good. It's okay. really, I, you know, but it, I, I joined at a time where, um, it wasn't the traditional post office, um, in the sense of, you know, why people always say, well, why would you ever leave? That was a government job. You had a union. <laughs> no, when I joined, when I, when this happened, they no longer had the union like they do, they did, they once did, and it was not um, a government jo- like they contracted employees for up to ten years before they actually made them actual employees. Oh, that's so sucks. we were not yeah. um, all government paid the same way. So it wasn't it was the new post office, and it wasn't as beneficial as people think. Um, I left because people started to recognize me, and I had some employees that knew that there was some, no way they used to say you can't be that pretty with bo- boobs like that and not be on the internet somewhere and they were hell bound on finding my content and they did eventually mm-hmm. and then i felt harassed so i left yeah. that's terrible and that's that's yeah. the way our industry goes um well i do i do want to ask you about how you sort of uh, ended up in the industry but i got to go back to you Disneyland, which uh which character were you were you the mouse or like <laughs> i wasn't a character <laughs> Um, I worked on Main Street and on the Emporium, which is one of the big stores that everyone probably has been in at one point in their life if they've been to Disneyland because everyone goes in there either on their way in or on their way out. It's just one of the big shots. I also worked um, in the Treehouse at Splash Mountain. 
I was the person who um, hid in the treehouse and monitored every photo that was taken as you come down Splash Mountain. Ah, so, um, yes. and it's a safety, it's a safety job. You sit there and monitor because you would be surprised at how many people do stupid things as their photos being taken. Yeah. Including parents, dads that like to hold their small babies up like Simba oh. as they're going down. Like, come on, this yeah. is not safe. Terrible. They're, that is, uh, who risks their child like that? Um, it's quite foolish. But I can't tell you how many times I've taken that photo out of the mix. Of, uh, Disney has a lot of protocols in place that are so, like, you don't even notice that somebody's doing it. But my job was to make sure that photos that were going through were coming through as um, being presented safely. And so, yeah, I kind of had to be a photo Nazi. <laughs> so the boob flashing pics, you had to pull those too, right? Everything. Anything that was not family-friendly um, and safe could not go out. And it happens more often than you realize. But you don't because it, it's so quietly done. And all of Disneyland is that way. And I loved that job. I loved, loved that job. I worked through grad nights. It was amazing. It was so much fun. And... Um, and yeah, it, you know, you had to occasionally people go, oh, my photo never showed up. And it's because, well, that photo had to be purged because <laughs> someone did something unsafe or inappropriate. Yeah. And they get to free ride the ride again. I mean, like they don't have to wait in line and all that stuff again. Obviously, the rides are free. They're included in admission. But I meant that, you know, you have to go through the line again and get you don't have to do that. You just get on the ride and retake your photo and we, we give it to you. And it's, you know, it's too bad when that happens. Cause you do get, sometimes you get po disappointed children that are like, where's my picture? Aww. Yeah. <laughs> well, daddy did something foolish. So he lost your picture. Yeah. Daddy almost killed you. So you guys get to leave the parks where they should do. But, um, so uh, Lana Violet is the other one. Lana Violet is a porn performer in our industry who was Minnie Mouse in the parade for a few years and then ended really? up in our industry. Unfortunately, yeah. ethnicity-wise, I there was probably never a character except for maybe Princess Jasmine that I could have gotten away with. But Princess Jasmine also was not a BBW, so that wouldn't have worked either. All right. <laughs> and when I worked at Disneyland, I was in my 20s, and I was um, already very plus size. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I do. I want to get into that with you. So you, but you didn't start in the porn industry until, or you didn't start making content until you were uh, at the post office. I had already been at the when I got to the post. So the post office job was my attempt at being quote unquote normal. Okay. I'd gotten in a relationship with a guy who was very against my adult work um, and wanted me to quit. So I, I felt that if I had to quit, then I had to find a job that was going to be, you know, good enough for me. And I felt like this job was. I didn't know it was going to turn into this witch hunt for my porn. Um, and I ended up leaving. I ended up leaving the guy, too. So it didn't even end up mattering. Eh, um, it always ends up that way. But, yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah. It, um, well, I don't us even know through, how I got here. Yeah, well, walk us through how um, you started in the industry then. So I was approached by a photographer in a chat room um, to do some test shots, and I thought he was just trying to get in my pants, which he was, but he didn't approach me sleazy and like a scumbag like many other guys had approached me through MySpace and other chat rooms I was on, you know, because back in the early 2000s, that's what we did, right? We hung right. out in these places. Um, and yeah, MySpace was a big introducer into the industry for a lot of girls back then. Oh, it was, yeah. including me including me. Um, so I, um, so he was really nice. He approached me. We met that uh, morning 
at a Denny's and he brought me his portfolio, which was a, a real portfolio, a big book with photos. Um, and we went through it and I agreed to shoot with him. So we did a test shoot like a week later and, um, I submitted those photos to a couple of different, um, places I wanted to shoot for. And I won't name them because a lot of them I don't associate with at all anymore, uh, for various reasons. Uh, but they all got back to me what very quickly within 48 hours and wanted to shoot. Okay. And when I look back at that now, I just go like my head spins because of how fast it happened and how naive I was. Like I really had no concept of what I was doing, um, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, any of that stuff. I just had an opportunity. I was struggling. My daughter at the time was being severely bullied and she was chubby. She was in fifth grade and being very severely bullied. And I was trying to like be a positive role model for her and show her you know, that size doesn't matter, that people love you and all of that. So I felt like this was giving me a, an opportunity to do that. I really thought I was going to do this one magazine, this one photo shoot, whatever. One or two. I didn't think I was going to make a career out of this. I just thought I'd do these onesie twosie things and make my point to her and be done. That's what I thought. That is not what happened. <laughs> well, sure, and because, you know. Here we are. <laughs> well, cream rises to the top. I mean, it's, you know, for somebody sort of meant to be in the business, they that's where they end up being. Let, let's sort of explain to the listeners about, so you're a BBW. Uh, tell people what that stands for. And then if you could sort of explain how the path for a BBW in our industry is different than our mainstream, the, the main path. Uh-huh. Okay. So a BBW is a big, beautiful woman um, or a plus size. Plus size, I feel like, is the term more used in fashion, and BBW is the term more common in porn. Um, so uh, I'm a BBW. It means I am fat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, so... Um, the path for working for a BBW performer is significantly different because majority of the studios don't shoot us. We typically don't have agents. We're typically independent uh, because studios aren't seeking us out on the level that they are seeking our slender counterparts. So, um, so you have a lot more work to do as a BBW performer. And I work, I started in the two thousands or 2006 when really nobody was being shot today you know we're being shot a lot more still nowhere near um the level of our slender counterparts but a lot of progress has been made over the years that and that since i've been here um and i've watched it slowly progress and like to think i've been part of that progression um because i've been advocating for us since i started so um and trying to be a positive role model for the industry and and for people of size in general so, um, so the path itself, it, there's just a lot more work. You do have to do a lot more self advocating, which I'm very good at. And, um, and you have to have, a, an inner drive because the only one speaking for you is yourself. Like you, we don't have an agent to negotiate. We don't have an agent to approach a studio. We don't have those things. And, um, and I can't just submit my photo because they're not looking for this this kind of performer for that kind of content that they're trying to shoot. Um, 
So it takes a lot more creativity and I, I think a, a very, very thick skin and strong back because you get shot down. There's a lot more rejection um, and you get shot down a lot or told that it's not marketable. You, you hear all kinds of things. Um, I'm Latina. I've been told uh, my ethnicity that wasn't what they were looking for. Like it, there's all kinds of uh, pushback. Um, so it's not the easiest, but if you're resilient and you have a good attitude and you believe that you can do something, you, you can, you can accomplish it. And, and I'm proof of that because I have done all those things and have gone through all those things and I'm here. So I yeah, did let, something right. Let me right. explain something to our listeners. You know, I've been at this for 20 years, so I've seen a lot of changes in our industry. One thing that has really helped is what we call relative anonymity. So back when I started in the industry, if you were into a certain fetish, uh, you had to go to a video store physically and go to the special section marked weirdos or fetish people and then go in there and, you know, then other Mm – maybe somebody that you worked with would see you browsing through foot worship or transgendered or BBW. You know, I just speak of specialty videos here, but they would Mm -hmm. see you. So people – didn't want to uh, to go through that hassle, nope. and so that market was smaller. Uh, then the internet came along, and everyone's anonymous. People do not have to go to the store anymore, and no one has to find out that they're into uh, any kind of a specialty concept. It's exactly. And now we sit in a world where the market for BBW is incredibly strong, and the studios haven't uh, adapted to that because studios are very slow. Uh, and we don't uh, typically – a lot of the studios don't have real metrics and don't test out, well, what if we try this performer and see how this does in this marketplace and whatever. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't be successful, and you can make your own way like Sophia has here. It's more about – and just correct me if I'm wrong – but it's more about being a compelling performer who puts on – who makes content that is compelling that the viewer goes, oh, I want more of this mm-hmm. than it is being – Small, large, black, white, green, blue, yellow, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's where Sophia comes into this here. She has not only uh, been successful at, in the specialty market, but she has expanded the specialty market and has risen to the top, the, the BBW of the year for this year. Uh, so, all right, so you got into the industry. Who did you... First, you were just shooting your own stuff, right? And then you started... I was doing femdon and face-sitting. That was all I felt comfortable with because I was not uh, comfortable with penetration on camera. Um, I really, uh, you know, this was something that kind of fell in my lap. It wasn't something I had premeditated or ever dreamed of. So to me, the idea of having sex, like full intercourse with a stranger, wasn't something I was cr- truly capable with uh, uh, of doing yet. And people, just so people have a little background, and a lot of people don't know this, but I had been in a relationship for 15 years at 30, so that's simple math, um, with one person. So I, I, to me, from 15 to 30, being with one individual, you, 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 know, you get into this adult world, the idea of sex with someone I have not known is extremely hard. The last time I experienced a new person, I was 15. <laughs> yeah. What a shock to your system then, yeah. So you don't know yet, you know? I was like, oh, so um so it was a concept that I couldn't do. I, I at the time, you know, two thousand six, we're not talking about just BBWs, ethnicities were not it wasn't very diverse. Uh 
I didn't see Latina performers. The, the only Latin performer that comes to mind back then in the adult industry was Olivia Lovely. Yeah, love her. Loved her. Loved her. She was considered thick or fatter in that time. And she was just a curvy Latina. She was, in, from cultural standpoint, she was what a Latina looks like. That's just curvy. That's not fat. That, that's just a normal girl to me. Um, yeah. And I still, I follow her on Instagram today. I absolutely adore her. She's just beautiful. Um, Buy her so, cakes. She makes cakes yeah. now. She's a cupcake maker. Yeah, yeah, she does something. I knew she does something with bakeries or something. I, I've seen her. Yeah. But anyway, um, so so she is a lighter-skinned Latina than I am. So I had a phobia about showing my pussy on camera because I am dark-skinned. And obviously, I didn't see a lot of girls who looked like me in the porn industry, let alone be a fat girl. Let's just say, can I see a girl with a brown pussy? Can I just see <laughs> one? I had an everything, everybody had bleached assholes and bleached vaginas, <laughs> and I felt yeah. that I looked weird. So I was never, and I used to say this, and people have quoted me since then, I remember when you used to say you would never show your pussy on camera. <laughs> okay. You're right. Yeah. Because I was, I was caught up in, the, it's sad, I was caught up in that mindset of I'm scared to show it because I feel shame because it's not normal. Till I finally got brave and realized I am normal. <laughs> but that's one and of the reasons you were doing Femdom back given. then is that you didn't want to show your, your pussy? What was doing, that? So that's one of the reasons you were doing female domination at the time is because yes. you didn't want to show? Okay. I did not want to show my pussy. I didn't even like showing parts of it or imply it um, in face-sitting videos. I did it. I just didn't like doing it. It was – they knew that it was like – a negotiation in the moment because I hated to show it. I would yeah. tease it. Um, you know, there might be a spread of my, my legs spread open, but my hand would be protecting or uh, there would be a shadow with the light just right. So you actually couldn't see anything um, because I was super paranoid by it. And, and, and through the time, you get more comfortable. Um, you work with certain people that shoot you. You feel comfortable with them. So it eases that anxiety a little bit and by 2012 i was ready to do full hardcore but uh, up until then i was all doing predominantly facing and female domination and um you know i started to get more i i didn't realize my value in the very beginning um but as i started to recognize trends you know i'm a latina with big boobs this is a un another niche that you can excel in. So I did a lot of boob worship and a lot of boob play and same with my ass. I have a big round butt. Let's do ass stuff. So I was, I started to take advantage of every niche that I filled. If I checked that box, I did it. So I just started to go just running with everything that I could. And, um, and it was great. It was great. And then I was finally, um, this guy that was telling me, you know, he didn't like what I did. And, um, and wanted me to have a normal job, the one that made me get the job working for the post office, uh, we finally broke up. And when our breakup, he was so vile and disgusting with, now I'm just a fat piece of shit, you're uh, a whale, I can't yeah. believe I ever fucked you, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right? Right. Um, I was like, all right, revenge. <laughs> I'm going to be revenge. I'm going to be revengeful here. I contacted my ex, who he was very, very intimidated and insecure by, who was a firefighter in Texas. I said, do you want to shoot a porno with me? I have a company who wants to hire me. 
I'm going to ask him to hire you as talent. Let's fly to Miami and let's shoot. Hmm. And I convinced the producer to do it. He did not want to. He was terrified this male talent was not going to work. Because, I, again, yes. I still didn't feel comfortable having sex with someone I didn't know. Yeah. So this was late 2011. Okay. And the this thing was, was who, though. Like Plumper Pass or Scoreland? It was Plumper or? Pass. Okay. So Clint right. was saying, no. Yeah. I'm going to have a baby if this guy comes on set and can't get his dick hard. Now, yeah. I didn't understand all this because I didn't shoot porn yet. Yeah, right. So I didn't understand performance issues. I'm like, what are you talking about? We have amazing sex. This guy's dick is big. It's hard. He likes to fuck me. He has stamina, yada, yada, yada. He's telling me all this stuff, and I'm going, what are you talking about? Now I understand. Yes, but he was then, crazy to do that because he paid for your flights, no doubt. And he, Well, that was he, the problem. He wanted to only pay for my stuff but did not want to pay this guy and did not want to pay for his flights, which yeah. was understandable. I yes. understood that. Yeah, you but that, that was fair because he doesn't. this isn't talent. This he is, had this talent civilian. that was there in Florida. Why should he have to pay to exactly. bring your guy in? So I, I get it now, but at the time I didn't. Yeah. So what happened was um, I, the guy didn't want to shoot if he wasn't going to get paid and have his expenses covered. So I said, okay, then I guess I can't make this work. I'm not going to shoot. So yeah. this was late 2011, and I was on the revenge path. Yeah. So that's fine. No big deal. Um I'm glad now when I look back that I did not shoot that with that guy because we're not on good terms at all and not somebody I would I would deeply regret having that content exist today. Um, so I'm glad it didn't work out. And in 2012, Clint and I continued our conversation and, and we worked worked it out. And I came in 2012 and finally shot. And it good. was very difficult. Not only was it my first hardcore scene i had never been with a black man before and one of my performance one of my scenes was my first interracial as well oh wow okay so, that's a jump i mean not that uh, there's anything so it, wrong with it but it's it's a look it's all culture shock for somebody right people that are listening you gotta understand sex offset and sex onset is so incredibly different it is so different you got lights you got a crew you have a person that is like uh 12 inches away from your head they're all in your business right (laughs) a lot of times you know like as a male talent like the cameraman's got to be shooting over your shoulder so imagine you're having sex doggy style and you got this other guy pressing up against you uh it's you know and and for a cis male that can affect your mojo big time yeah so um but i had i i was okay so and, and this is why, like, people have said, oh, you sound racist. I'm not being racist. I had never – I grew up in predominantly black and Hispanic neighborhoods, okay? So it wasn't about, oh, this is a black man and I'm scared. I was married and in a relationship for 15 years with a white man who had hard a four-inch dick, okay? <laughs> I did not know his dick yeah. was small because I hadn't been with other partners and we did not watch porn we did not watch porn because he was embarrassed about his small dick. He knew he had a small dick. He never watched porn. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no honey, let's turn the channel. I don't want I you to see this. I didn't watch porn, and I've been with him since I was 15. So you see the manipulation? He's so I walk on you set, this and I dick, have sex no. with, for the He's... first time with a black man with an 11-inch dick. Before, because you've been terrified. telling you that, no, no, two inches is normal. I am twice as big. As the normal guy with my four-inch dick, 
And then you're shocked to see that there are bigger dicks. Now, hold on. We're going to hear more about this story. But first, I need to tell our listeners about our sponsor for the show, Sex Panther. Are you on Sex Panther, Sophia? I love Sex Panther. I'm on Sex Panther, and they are an amazing revenue stream for me. I love them. Yes. So if you are listening to the program now, you by now are in love with Sophia here. You've fallen in love with her personality and charm to go along with her big boobs, and you wish you could get to know her better. Uh, there are a couple things that you can try, uh, and you should not try just randomly sending her a dick picture uh, through Twitter. But what you should do is send her a dick picture through Sex Panther. She would like that. Would you like that? I absolutely would love that. Yeah. And so, I'm ranked like top, like I'm in the 30-40 range right now, so you can find me relatively easy if you don't just find my name. <laughs> yeah, go to sexpanther.com, S-E-X-T. P-A-N-T-H-E-R dot com. Search for Sophia Rose, and then you can start exchanging uh, text, pictures, videos. Do you talk on the phone with these guys? I talk. I love phone calls are my favorite. I prefer phone calls over text messages, but I do both about equally the same amount. So, yes. So you can get to know Sophia in a variety of different ways. For some guys, that means just exchanging dirty pictures. For others, that means conversation, getting to know each other, forming a real friendship and a real bond. And that happens all the time. Most of the performers that you've heard on this show are on Sex Panther. So if you're listening uh, and you want to get to know your favorite porn star, do go to sexpanther.com. And as she pointed out to all of you female performers who are um, listeners of the show – this is a great revenue stream for Sophia, who, by the way, all I can see is her boobs now and the little video she has set up, and it's great. I'm just going to watch her boobs. But um, so uh, uh, it's if you're one of the many <laughs> – I love those boobs. So if you're one of the many performers who are listening to the show, go to sexpanther.com. Get set up right now as a performer. If you need help, then tweet me, and I will help you get set up. Uh, and then get to know your fans and establish a bond because really what it's all about – Take it from me, who's been in the business 20 years, and Sophia, who's been in the business for quite some time herself. It's all about building loyal fans, a fan base, not just getting a bunch of fans to sign up for your OnlyFans. And today, it's sustainable fans who are going to pay you and buy your services and buy your content on a, on a regular basis from now until you decide to leave the industry. So there you go. Sophia recommends Sex Panther. Say yes. Yes. I – I love sex. I honestly do. It's the only – I think I have a, a profile on a competitor, and I don't actually use it at all, and I never have. Um, they, sex Panther has a very up-to-date platform um, with new tools that they seem to be not launching on a regular basis, and I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. They're the best. So, so go to yeah. sexpanther.com. That's S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. Okay, so getting back to now Sophia's debut working for Plumper Pass. Um, so, so how did those first scenes go then? Did they end up coming out pretty well? Oh, they were fantastic. But, but I try to tell people, like, you know, it's not about uh, because I used the term one time. Oh, my God. So I was shooting with a black man and I was so scared. Like, you sound racist, someone said to me. And I was like, no. So now I have to preface it with I was scared because he was a black man with a huge cock yeah that i had never <laughs> ever seen so i was like you want me to do what <laughs> and is that gonna fit yeah. because i was like i've never you know 
and I was shooting with with others as well, but they were not they were endowed because it's porn, but they were not eleven inches like this black man was. And I was just like, holy shit. I really didn't think this was gonna fit in my my vagina. This is not I'm like, there's I don't go that deep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you were I used was to wrong. four inches. You thought four inches was big, which it's yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was normal. So this eleven inch dick was was huge and scary to me because I had never seen, you know, that before. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a great experience though. The guy was very gentle. Um, everyone knew it was my first time doing this. So every male performer, I think I worked, I shot three scenes that, that it was over two days. I think we shot three scenes. Everybody I shot with was very polite, very, very careful, gentle, very accommodating. Um, the whole crew was, uh, plumper Clint was very, everybody was just so, it was such a good experience that um that I, I you know that's why i'm still here that's why i still shoot for plumper pass today because i know that you know they've always looked out for me and always taken care of me and and my personality is what it is glenn you know me um yep. i don't deal with a certain type of of male performer and he makes very clear that he will keep those performers away from me just because he knows I will say something I will behave and react a certain way and nobody wants those confrontations and not from me <laughs> they don't want them from me because I, I will assert myself yes and I have and yes. I have yes. so very assertive um uh-huh. well I speaking of assertive I want to talk to you about the world of BBW I have one quick question though um how did you end up in Japan or in Japanese videos because I know that's when you first came to my attention, is that I saw you in like Japanese face sitting videos. Yes. So, um, so the the guy who likes to fly us to Japan is a huge fan of Plumper Pass um, and likes BBWs. And I'm actually a smaller BBW for him. He likes them much larger than <laughs> me. Okay. Um, and is has a true flesh fetish. So. Uh, that's why he likes very large women because he likes the actual fe- the flesh. Flesh. So, um, so he would fly us out there to uh, shoot. Uh, he sponsored the company to shoot these fetish face sitting videos, and then while we were there, we did customs for him specifically in his private collection, and he would fund our entire trip. Uh, so they can't show genitals in Japan. Yes, which is why when the Japanese company first came to L.A. to shoot me, um, why I ever agreed was because I knew I didn't have to have full penetration sex because I was aware of the law in Japan that required pixelation. So um, I was comfortable with shooting where it was implied that I was – you know, sitting on somebody's face and they were eating my pussy like it's implied because you can't actually see it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the same thing with any kind of a sex act that was that, you know, which implied intercourse that was really not happening. So it was the only reason I agreed to it. And then everybody was expecting, when's your hardcore coming out? When can I see real hardcore? Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I don't do hardcore. This Japanese video is pixelated and I'm not having sex with anybody. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that was it. It was the sponsor. I met them in in Hollywood. They came there to shoot, and then um, they started bringing us to Japan um, to shoot. And I no longer work for the company, and I've severed ties. Unfortunately, um, there were some negative experiences, and I no longer associate with anybody who um, works with the company or with that sponsor. And 
that's not going to change. <laughs> that's not going to be undone. <laughs> well, good job, uh, Japanese people, in getting her out there and getting her going in her femdom career. Uh, amazing stuff. I actually have spent most of my uh, quarantine time over the last few weeks uh, with my virtual reality headset on watching Japanese VR. Uh, oh, yeah? Fantastic. Like, they just... They really know how to do things in Japan. I applaud them so much. Um, all right, well, let's... they are such a huge like their their fetishes are so uh, vast in that country. Um, they're very confusing. <laughs> yeah, they they. It's, it would be interesting to talk to a Japanese psychologist about these fetishes. But there's so many fetish VR videos, and yeah. you can get these amazing Japanese girls shoving their feet in your face, and it's like you can smell the nylons that they're wearing practically. They just, <laughs> I would love to yeah. make more femdom content myself, but we don't, we don't really have the business model set up at this point because you'd have to make a website dedicated to it. And then I don't know if we would make enough money off of that website to, um, to justify the expenditures. And meanwhile, you're, you're spending, it's not twice as long to edit a, a, a VR video. It's like, four or five times as long to edit a VR video. There's a lot more that goes into it and rendering takes a long time. And, you know, yeah, I agree point. with you on the website, um, doing a website like that, because it is very niche. And in my experience as someone as an independent performer, who's done both, um, I feel like I sell my content better, um, on clip sites that's fetish than I do on a website that's hosted as fetish. Right. So I don't know why that is, um, but it, it, it's true. I Just in my own experience and the experience I know of other models, same situation. It's just it, it, it'll do well, but it, you'll do better on the clip sites for some reason. Oh, yeah. Listen, if you're starting your own femdom site right now to compete against me, which be my guest. I have no objections whatsoever. Um, you don't do it the way that I do it. If I was starting over right now, I would not have meanbitches.com membership where you get 1,700 videos for one price uh, because people are willing to pay $20 for one scene. And uh, uh, you're going to make a lot more money just selling them by the scene than you are with a membership. Site. It's so strange, isn't it? They don't want to pay the one membership price and get everything. They'd rather buy the clips, which are more expensive. It's so weird. Um, I don't get it either, and, and I ex agree and experience the exact same thing. I, I had a guy who, who bought $300 worth of stuff on I Want Clips from me yesterday from my store. All, every single one of those videos was already is on MeanBitches.com. He could have spent $30 and gotten those 20 videos or 10 videos plus uh, $1,700 more, but right. he wanted right. to, to pick and choose, and that's great. But I mean, I yeah, have to so stick with like, my okay, model. I'll, ta I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take it. And, but I have to stick with my model because I have dedicated members of MeanBitches.com and I never want Thanks. to let them down. That's why, that's my, 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 excuse me. That's why my site still exists too because I have dedicated members. I have to keep it um, for that reason. But at the same time, a lot of the content is available on a clip site and I might make more money off of it there. Right. It's weird. All right, so she's eating now. So if you guys have an eating fetish, uh, she what are you eating? This is a lemon cookie. Mm, okay, lemon cookie. So, all Excuse right, me, a lemon. It's a vegan cookie. That's People right. Always need to know that. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so I got to ask you about the world of BBW. The world of BBW is somewhat fascinating. We had Alora Jensen on the show a while back, who was last year's BBW of the year. Uh, she was embroiled in controversy at the time because she wasn't fat enough uh-huh. for the other girls. They were angry at her. Uh, girls in the industry get angry at you. Uh, pretty much every time I look in on the world of BBW, there's some kind of feud and fighting going on and you're always i wouldn't say in the middle of it but you're in it somewhere you're always dragged into these fights i'm that's the right word right there i'm dragged into it yeah um i don't care for conflict and while i'm very good at resolution uh, my counterparts are not always <laughs> why so, is that why is it more are there more fighting in the world of bbw or is it just because they're they're concentrated more you know what i mean i feel like it's not really any different than the mainstream girls i know mainstream has their share issues i know that they are catty and petty as well the difference is there's so many more of them than there are of us um and i think that uh bbws tend to be louder but i think it's still the same kind of fighting um, Alora was attacked. I was disgusted with it. Uh, Angelina was the winner the year before. I was disgusted with her attacks. Um, it isn't just the fellow models. It is also my fans. Um, I had fans. Angelina and I are very good friends. Angelina, um, Angelina who? Castro. Just, okay. Yep. Love her. Because it was the same thing. She, her and Alora have similar body types. Mm-hmm. Very tall, very curvy women. Um, Maybe at one time were BBW, but weren't always, and they're, or they're not presently. And so they won these AVN awards, and um, people get upset because, yeah, you're not fat enough. Hey, listen, I've been told I'm not fat enough to be called a BBW. So it's it's a very subjective term. Um, but why the culture is so um, – they're so loud and so aggressive, um, my theory is – this is just a theory. This is not fact. Um, it's a mindset of a girl who has been fat her whole life. Mm -hmm. So they're seeking a validation and they're seeking a, um, um, a, I guess it's just the validation. I don't know what other words to use to describe it, but basically saying I'm fat and still valid and trophies and awards and various recognition give them that validation. This is validation they've been seeking their whole lives. If you've been fat your whole life, you've struggled your whole life. I have not been fat my whole life. I chose to be bigger. Mm -hmm. So, and I know all I have to do is eat right, better. I shouldn't say right. I eat right. I have to eat better. Um, I am a junk food vegan if anyone cares. (laughs) (laughs) I was just eating a lemon cookie. I eat junk food. Um, yeah, that's fat. a thing these days. Uh, being really vegan it's... does not necessarily mean that you're going to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've gained weight because I eat more carbs than I ever have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was the very thin and actually underweight most of my life and very athletic. So um, I got validation from playing sports. I lettered. I MVP'd. I was all those different things. I was in beauty pageants. I did those things. I won those things. I had validation growing up. Um, I've worked in corporate America. I've had validation through that job. These girls have majority never had those opportunities. And in my opinion, and in my observation, that is where 
the negativity and the chip on their shoulder comes from and why they are so aggressive, why they are so assertive, why are they are so negative, and all this drama exists because they cannot get out of that mindset. The girls that I know that have been um, in other team type of related sports and, and activities growing up are not usually in this drama either. It's the same girls repetitively and they have the same experiences and it is because they have struggled being with their weight their entire life. And I feel for that and I recognize it because I have a daughter and she has been chubby her whole life and she is in her 20s now and is still chubby. But she is a very well-rounded and comfortable in her skin person. Um, I raised her that way. So I can't even see her conflicting with these girls. She, she would literally eye roll and say, I don't have time for this. It's like so stupid. But it is what it is, um, unfortunately. And I, you know, the events that have happened in the last few days have been very embarrassing Okay, explain um, Explain to our listeners the latest controversy in the world of BBW. So because we were so um, – we were not recognized through various platforms such as AVN, XBiz, and other award platforms without a category. Um, AVN has had BBW of the year off and on for the, the last probably 10 years, if not longer. So the category exists, then it doesn't. Then it exists, then it doesn't. So it's – because of that, we developed our own award show, and it's just for BBWs. We have multiple categories for just us. There's no skinny category. There's no. We don't have any other category. Everything is a BBW. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I yes. think it was necessary. Yes. We needed a sense of unity. We needed a sense of community. Um, we needed that recognition, that validation, and it's a and it's a hundred percent fan voted. So yes. I thought it was a, an excellent idea. I lended my support to it. I wanted it to be legitimate. I wanted girls to feel like their their trophies had value. I'm not being arrogant and saying, oh, I determined that. But I know that I am somebody that look, they all look up to in the community, or many of them do, and that I would bring that to the table by supporting. Right. So I offered my support. The organizer is not the most favorite person. So because she has um, a past where she's done things wrong, well, these girls don't forget. So go, go ahead and say the name of the organizer here so that our, our guys don't have to run oh, okay. around trying to look So it's the BBW Awards show, and it's run by Eliza Allure. Okay, yeah. And Eliza's a beautiful person. Yeah. Um, and she, she seems has, very nice, yeah. She, she is. Mm -hmm. The thing is that because she's made some mistakes – when she was younger and newer in her career, um, this community has not forgiven her, and not, nor have they forgotten. And I am a believer. I am a, I'm a person of understanding um, and unbiased judgment. And I never held it against her, but any interactions I had with her, I proceeded with caution. And that is my advice to everybody, and, and not just with her, with anybody in this industry. Because – I don't know one person in this industry who hasn't made a mistake at one point or another in their career. <laughs> we yes. all do. Yes. Because correct. there's a, a huge learning curve, you know? Also, with so, social media these days, you can spit any thought that comes into your head out onto the internet, and you only have a hundred and whatever characters that do it. Exactly. And you put something out there that gets either misinterpreted or you shouldn't have said it because you were high as fuck or whatever, and, you know, people do yeah. make mistakes. But okay, yeah, so, so – 
So she made a mistake over ABN and award back, whatever. I don't even know the dates, time, all the stuff that happened. Like I was aware of it, but um, it, I wasn't involved. And I was just like, well, it is what it is. It's too bad you guys can't resolve these things. It's really kind of ridiculous. You're fighting over something uh, that's going to sit on a shelf and get dusty. This is not a $100,000 contract. This isn't anything that's, but, but, but the mentality, I need that validation to prove I am of value in this industry because I'm fat. You see what I'm saying? So it still goes back to the same Absolutely. problem. Yeah. Everybody wants validation. Believe me. Everybody. No matter who you are in this industry, your first few years, everyone else seems like they're in some kind of big club. And and you just want validation to feel like I belong here. And, you know, so that's part of it. And I tell people when I when I coach new girls or I'm talking, I tell people this is why it's important to have your own independent support system and your own validation at home. Right. And it, it is very hard. And I feel for people who don't have that. I have not always had it. I had to create mine as well. Um, because if you don't and you're constantly seeking validation from fans, from the public, from the industry or from your peers, you will never get it. You will always be miserable. You will, it will affect your mental health in the long run. You can't, walk into this industry with the attitude that you are going to get this validation from this industry. It's not going to happen. You have to have that support on your own. And I do have that support. Um, so because of that, I, 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 it's, it's so hard for me because I, my mindset is very different walking into all of this. And I also come from a, a corporate business background. So my approach is different. And then everything I do, because of those two factors is different. Um, and it's really hard to, to like beat sense into people who just don't, they don't want it. They don't want the sense, you know, they don't want that knowledge. So anyway, the yeah, BBW back to the show, story here. What happened with the girl that got kicked out of the show? So that's what it is. So, yeah. so ABN has a code of conduct. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not uncommon to have a code of conduct for any award show. And the girl that got kicked out was, and this is the part that's being omitted on social media was recently in a chat uh, a chat room about the award show specifically and continually and habitually was talking about and degrading other models in the chat that were not in the they were not present and so the organizer on multiple occasions through the course of the chat room had said please stop talking about models that aren't here yeah. and that is in the code of conduct to not be harassing and, and all this stuff yeah. So it violated the code of conduct. Yep. She said, "You're because you've continually violated the code of conduct, we're asking you not to attend the award show anymore. And so she was livid. Yeah. So she took to social media. I only am involved because Eliza turned to me for guidance, support, and advice. And I said, you know, uh, this individual has, for the last two years, done nothing but gossip and harass and make life difficult for other performers in our industry. I don't think it is a bad idea if you've already asked her multiple times to knock it off like an adult to, to ban her. It, it's not unreasonable. Okay. I said, I don't think that you can hold people accountable for past transgressions, but if she's currently and actively doing it, absolutely. Because, now here we are where voting is opening up for the award show. Girls are going to start, you know, pushing for votes and she's going to be on the attack and we cannot have that. It makes the show look bad. It discredits the show. 
because she was the first one notified. Other people were about to be banned, but we didn't get that far. (laughs) (laughs) Because the minute she was notified, she took to social media. And I was the one who encouraged her to note a disclaimer saying that this should not be distributed, yada, 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 for her own protection and privacy. She didn't care. She said, it's not legal. I don't give a shit, blah, blah, blah. Fine, go ahead. Uh, unfortunately, a lawyer is now involved mm. and is going to be pursued because now this this has escalated to the levels that um, Eliza is now getting threats. Ugh. She has been threatened with CPS. They are asking for her address to dox her, wow. which puts her and her child at great danger. Yeah. Um, Eliza shared with me this morning that she plans to leave California and move out of state now because wow. she is very scared. Yeah. I spent an hour on the half, an hour and a half on the phone with her yesterday morning. She called me at 7 a.m., woke me up, which is fine. I, my phone, my friends know, my friends and in the industry, my community know that my phone is available. If you are privileged to have that number, you are allowed <laughs> to call me in a crisis. And she was at that moment on that brink and called, and I, um, I calmed her down and talked her through things. Uh, took an hour and a half, and helped her. And I've been doing wellness checks on her since yesterday, all day today. I've called and checked on her. I've provided her with more legal information. Um, I don't think in any capacity, in I don't care what the situation is, a child, an innocent child should never be weaponized or used as a pawn in any way to hurt performers. Um, yes. Children should not even be referenced. We are in the adult entertainment industry. That is just don't do it. Just don't do it. So the fact that she partnered with another performer who has a a repeated history of, um, you know, some instability and who herself has had her child taken away and has admitted online that she hates, has a growing hate for Eliza specifically, um, that person is there very aggressively pursuing, trying to hurt her. Crazy. And it's very sad. Yeah. And in, in all of this mess, I was brought into it. <laughs> now, these girls had no idea I, how much I, my involvement is. Um, but they, uh, you know, I made a comment on, a, on Twitter to another girl that said, you know, she said, how dare you weaponize somebody's child? And I said, how dare someone who's lost their child be a judge on uh, someone else's parenting. And then the person who was uh, kicked out of the show once lived with Eliza. And Ugh. she's the one making these accusations of what she did yeah. that was illegal in front of her child while she was in the house. So I commented and said, and to think that if you were in the house when these supposed crimes were taking place, you did nothing at that time. Yeah. Well, that's So what does that terrible. say about you? If you And so and and so I told Eliza, listen, she's publicly admitted and the screenshots exist now so she can delete it if she wants, but she's admitted I witnessed this activity myself. Okay. So you actually are now involved in a crime happening supposedly if it happened. Did it happen? We don't know because you didn't talk about it when it happened. You're talking about it now cuz you're angry. <laughs> so, did it happen or is it a fabrication? Well, you have a history of gossip and fabrication. So it's hard to believe that this actually might have happened. 
Uh, was did you say that Eliza was in the chat room when the person that was kicked out was um, railing against the other performers? Yes. Okay. Well, so it's not exactly a he said she said thing. It's a witnesses thing, and there you go. Uh, just a side note for listen. If you're one of our listeners who's an ex husband, or if you're a performer with a grudge against another performer, don't go don't go after the kids or after the parent parenting. Just don't do it. Um, because you're gonna, it's gonna end up being ten times worse than you even intend it to be for revenge. Uh, we know that when cops get involved in CPS and they come out and they find a webcam and some dildos, uh, that they can jump to all kinds of conclusions. Mm-hmm. And a situation that you intended to be a level three revenge can end up being a level twenty two revenge. And and don't do it. Don't do it. Think about it in advance. Well, and I think what people need to understand is when they do something like this, number one, I like I said yesterday, I said if they will go after one person, they can go after anybody. Right. Okay? Right. So if you're a person who's vengeful like that, you it questions you. Now we're going to look at you and say, huh, the industry is going to look at you and say, huh, who else, what other levels are you going to go to to destroy somebody? Right. But the industry as a whole will take a hit. Think about it. If, if the police are involved and there's a court case, this is giving ammo to those um, groups who are committed to ending the industry itself. Yeah. So they can now take this lawsuit that you've created out of your revenge and say, look in this case where this child was this and this child was that and this ha-. you're making you're giving them ammo. Yeah, if you know so, of an actual so crime, hurt our then, then go over for your it. Petty revenge. Yeah, <laughs> if you know of an actual child molestation situation, please do call the police. Absolutely. But if it's just As that a you, child, I am a form. I am a, a, a survivor of of child rape and those types of things. Absolutely, talk about this. But making a hearsay uh, accusation that sounds completely fabricated uh, because you just think maybe it happened. Mm-mm. Not okay. Uh, your ch- child, children should not be brought up unless there is a true crime happening with evidence. And um, so, anyway, the, it is fabricated. the The terms and the discussions that are being taken, um, that are are out on the social media, are actually very, very inaccurate. The accusation that was brought against me yesterday, I didn't even address it. Um, uh, what were you accused of? The... What was that? What were you accused of yesterday? Oh, she said that I. Um, I complained about the photo that Brazzers asked me to use while we were at XBiz last year, which was last May, um, and I was trying to flex on her. Well, it's I laughed because I went, first of all, I actually didn't have my phone or a purse with me at the award show, so that's not true. Um, second, um, I never intentionally flex on anybody. <laughs> flex? What do you mean Flex. So I, I was trying to make it uh, – so flex is a – you know, it's like a, a slang word today of, like, trying to trump someone. Okay. Let yeah. me show off. Yeah, yeah. Let so me you show wanted to show her up. I got you. Okay. I wasn't Outstage showing her up. Okay. I wasn't showing anyone up. Uh, Brazzers sent me um, various content to post on social media for my scene that was about to be released. Yeah. And she's making this, this claim that I, I did this. Um, to be honest – I don't even think that Brazzers had sent me that information until after the scene was released, which was later that week. And um, I didn't actually have that content. I actually had, I could probably go look at the email and see. But I don't, I, I don't feel I need to address 
um, any kind of fabrication or accusation from somebody who's known and has a history of instability. Because someone told me yesterday, if you were LeBron James, like, do you address the the street thug playing basketball on the on yeah, the corner? No. Exactly. And another person said, you know, uh, what's her name? Um, Kate Middleton wouldn't address Amy Winehouse. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, and listen, I don't engage with people, and I know I've seen people get very angry with me because uh, I'll put stuff up on Twitter constantly, and then somebody wants to argue with me about it, and then I'll just say, hey, sorry, not going to engage. But what's in it for me? What's in it for you to get in the middle of this shit? These well, and that was why I, I, I for me. And the other reason I didn't, that was the third reason I didn't respond, was I know that these girls, certain girls that have a habit of, of having drama um, – are struggling in various ways and yeah. sometimes it's just with their visibility yeah so i'm not going to engage yep. because i'm not going to give them my platform that's right I you're giving them your traffic when you to give them my platform that's my right. platform is to sell my product and my brand which is me yeah not to fight i and I, I, and i looked at the tweet and all the people engaging on that tweet which was less than a handful are fans and and what looks like bots there's really nobody in the industry even following this particular person because she has gone through and blocked everybody. And on top of this, she tried to make a comment about, well, I was done with Sophia back in blah, blah, blah. And I have messages from her from October <laughs> where she was begging me to come hang out with her while I was in Texas visiting other doing other stuff. And she was, you know, can you come see me? Can we hang out? I have text messages and DMs on Twitter where she has asked her to hang out with me. And I have always been cordial with her and polite. Um, and so if she was done with me after I flexed on her, well, then why do I have these messages? I, I can put them on Twitter if I wanted to. Um, but I didn't. There's just no point. And my only concern, and I consulted my lawyer and my publicist and said, do I need to pursue this? Because she purposely, and I believe maliciously, tagged browsers to make me look bad to them. Mm -hmm. But everybody told me not to worry about it. Browsers most likely won't see it. If they did, they're going to probably just put her on the no list because she looks crazy. <laughs> yeah, and they if they address it with me, then worry about it, but don't even bring it up. And I was like, okay. Okay, I mean, I'm not being shot right now because we are in a pandemic. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it, and they would. I don't. I can't say. Oh, I can't. I'm not being shot. I don't know, but I will be pretty pissed off if if I hear that I wasn't shot because of what this tweet said. Uh, you, but, you know, when you did your scene, uh, it was the first scene you did for Brazzers was viral, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh any observer so like one way that i can tell on these things is that i go through and dmca all of the sites every day where all the stuff gets out there and you can see whatever is everyone is trying to post up on all these sites because they know they're going to make the most money off of it that's what's popular your scene was mm -hmm. going crazy at the time so it was, it was fantastic um well look I, so everybody if you want to follow this uh then just go look at sophia's twitter uh, what's your Twitter again? It's uh, Sophia. It, it, it's at BBW Sophia Rose. Yeah, with an F. And I promise there's no drama there. <laughs> but you can find, uh, you know, figure, find your way into these BBW wars if you really want to uh, get into that kind of drama. Uh, but I move us along because there's one more thing we got to get to. It is the most important part of the show. It is the part where people get to know Sophia Rose because, Ooh. first off, there are celebrities out there that want to slide into your DM who listen to the show, 
And also, there are fans who want to date you, who can get to know you through Sex Panther, but they need some clues as to what kind of things um, you are passionate about. So, let's uh, first off, let's go to the celebrity area here. A lot of celebrities listen to the show, believe it or not. Uh, cool. A lot of them ask me from time to time, "Hey, who, you know, what do you, what about this girl? How do I get into her DMs? Whatever. What do you, what kind of celebrities are you into? Like, who's your favorite uh, actor?" Who's my favorite actor? Yes. Mm. Like, like to have sex with or just someone I enjoy watching? Sex, of course. Like, who cares who you want to watch? No, no, I'm kidding. Either way is fine. <laughs> uh, but if you want, like, which, well, which actor, I guess is the best way to ask it, is which actor would you like to slide into your DMs just in case he's watch, listening to the show? Um, I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head. Isn't that terrible? No, because I, I can't. It's not like, boy, back when I was a kid... You could say, hey, who do you want, what female do you want to have sex with and who's an actress? And I'd be like, Lonnie Anderson, uh, Farrah Fawcett, whatever. Right, Which, which right. betrays my age. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but nowadays, um, like, I can't really name anybody off the bat anymore besides maybe female pro wrestlers that I want to have sex with, so. Okay, I would say maybe, like, um, Josh Dumal, uh, Ben Affleck, maybe uh, Ryan Reynolds type. Yes, those are yeah. good choices. I think. Yeah, very, very. Uh, I, I like very tall, attractive men. I like beards. I'm. <laughs> I don't know if that's just a leftover from all the femdom I did, but I love nothing but a good beard that can rub on my thigh. <laughs> good. Okay. <laughs> I joke about it all the time. Like every time I see a nice beard, I'm like, I bet that feels really good on my legs. All right, I got to uh, do a scene with you sometime then, because I got my beard and I'm not getting rid I of love, it. I love. Yeah, I love your beard. I, I I love your beard. I've seen it. Um. So I do have a thing for beards. Um, I love professional athletes. They're always in my DMs. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm definitely built for fucking, so I feel like that's why everyone they, – I don't, they don't look like they, they're going to break me anytime soon. But I, I definitely enjoy my, my NBA players and my NFL players that I do um, spend time with. But I, I genuinely – I'm a girl. I have eight younger brothers. I enjoy sports. I am a girl who knows sports. Um, I have talked about doing a podcast about sports and sex. Um, <laughs> ah, good. So, because I know I'm a, I'm a coach's daughter. I used to keep stats for basketball. I like, I know the sport. I know what's going on. I, a lot of girls go to just be seen. I'm a girl that's like, shut the fuck up. I want to, I want to watch the game. Stop asking me if I want a beer. Don't ask me if I want a hot dog. Get the fuck out of me. I'm like that girl. Get out of my face. <laughs> Cause I'm trying to watch the game, uh, the pandemic and, Sports being shut down has been hard on me because it's something I actually actively watch and I'm like I look forward to and it's been hard to not watch it um, and be on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime constantly. Um, you just kind of get bored of that stuff. But I miss sports very much. What's your favorite um, sport? So Is it basketball or? I would say football? basketball is probably my first and most favorite. My dog is named after my favorite hockey player. Um, football, I absolutely love football. But I think basketball... Wait, declare your teams, then. You need to declare your, your uh, allegiances. Uh, it's hard because because I lived everywhere. So um, I grew up I grew up a Lakers girl. Okay. okay? I'm yeah. from Southern California. I'm from L.A. Like, I'm a Lakers girl. However, when Kobe retired, God rest his soul, um, I when he retired, I switched to Golden State. And because him retiring, that was a legacy. He was... 
Um, I, I, I don't want to say I knew him. I used to run into him in Orange County when I lived there all the time at, at a bagel shop that I used to visit. He was there on a consistent basis, at least once a month, if not twice, I would run into him. We just say hello, exchange casual hellos. Yeah. Um, a very nice man. I had an autographed basketball from him. I donated it to charity. I wish I had that today. Um, so basketball is probably my first real true love. Um, and I, and I love that sport. I adore the players. I know a lot of people in the, in that industry and in that sport. And, um, you know, I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm a Golden State Warriors, but I don't know that I'll ever hate the Lakers because I'm a Laker girl. Yeah. So, um, and football, I'm a Chargers fan. Okay. Yep. And I despise the Raiders coming to Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) However, I will say Allegiant Stadium is looking very beautiful. It is, yeah, nice it is job, a nice beautiful. Job. Yeah. I can't, I can't throw shade. It's you gorgeous. know that new the whole building lights up as a giant big screen. It does. Yeah, I haven't been by it at night. Yeah, so they were doing a test on it. You can Google this, I guess. Oh, um, okay. But the entire stadium is the world's biggest uh, big screen. And they can nice. Yeah, it is beautiful. I hate that it's Allegiant Stadium. I wish it was a a better brand. <laughs> uh, the logo uh, looks stupid. Sorry, guys. Um, the whole stadium looks beautiful, but a lot of us in Vegas have been saying that the little small case Allegiant that's written across the top looks kind of dumb. But it does. Yeah, it does. It does, and it's ugly. Yeah. it's not even a pretty. You know, like the T-Mobile Arena looks beautiful, um, but Allegiant Stadium looks the the Allegiant looks ugly. Um, the, the black, I love it. It's, I was like, it's got to have a cool name. I mean, it's like this big black building. It's gorgeous. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I hate the Raiders, but I will not lie. And I will probably go there at least once just to go and check it out. And it'll be when the chargers play. So (laughs) I'll try not to end up in jail that day. Um, and I am, I, I am a big hockey fan. I originally started with the Boston Bruins. Um, Milan Lucic is my favorite hockey player. My dog is named Lucic after Milan Lucic, who's my favorite. Um, but when I knew I was moving to Vegas and I found out about the um, the Golden Knights, I was original. I was a, an original um, season ticket holder. I had a contract for three years. I bought that two years before we had the team. I just gave them the deposit, oh, knowing wow. the team was coming because I love hockey. Um, and so I did that. It was an investment. I just did it to make some money, and then I, I let those tickets go. Um, but there's hockey, uh, football, basketball. I'm an Angels fan. I would love nothing more than see a baseball team here in Vegas. Yes, um, that's going to happen from what I hear. I know it's going to happen, and um, and I'd love that. Um, I played baseball. As soon as I could walk and stand, I was swinging a bat. So I, I, know, I know that sport as much as I know basketball. And, um, you know, I enjoy boxing. So it's – I'm a – I, I enjoy a lot of different sports, and I'm passionate about many of those sports. And I will tell you, I I love going to the hockey games. I love, and my dad has never watched hockey in his whole life. And I took him to see his first hockey game, and now he goes on a regular. Well, not now because of the pandemic, but he's gone to a few games on his own because he started to enjoy it. And it was the same factor that did it for me, did it for him, and it's the fact that they still fight. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, I don't know, it just gets well, super intense. They, it's a great sport. They uh, So, you know, I went to a Knights game last year. Uh, I dragged a friend out with me who uh, was in town who had actually been a hockey announcer. Because I was like, I need, I need you to come with me so that somebody can tell me what is this 
sticking penalty and blue lines and all these things here. And then it turns out that they do such a good job over at the Las Vegas uh, Knights, Golden Knights. Their presentation is excellent, and you don't need to be a hockey fan or understand how hockey is played to go yep. out and enjoy their games. So, yeah, everybody it's, it's, go check it's it out. It's very true. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so there you go, everybody. Well, wait a minute. Let me. I've been asking everybody on the show about conspiracy theories lately, too, because it turns out everybody's got some kind of theory that they're into. Do you have a conspiracy theory that you're kind of passionate about or no? Aliens, the JFK assassination, the uh, Elvis being alive, Michael Jackson being alive, any of these? Um, most of those that you mentioned, I don't have any real thoughts on. I think that we're not alone in this universe. I don't know about a conspiracy theory that I believe or don't believe. I have said multiple times, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, that I thought this was a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some sort of political so. propaganda or trick, kind of a walk the dog, or what is it, wag the dog wag scenario. The dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, the jury's still out on that. I still think that maybe that they're, I feel like they're doing something while we're not looking, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> I joke <laughs> that we're going to find out that everybody who did this is going to have some penalty or everyone who did that's going to have some penalty. Like we're going to find out some weird ass thing that none of us expect it. I don't know. I, I, I feel like all of this is politically motivated because it's an election year. I feel like it is. And I'm probably wrong. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I don't have any basis for my own thought process on that. Just something doesn't seem right. And I don't know what it is. Um, but if I guess you look at my Twitter, I try to, I started doing this. I knew I shouldn't have done it because now I'm stuck doing it every day. But That's so why I, I don't. I That's put up the numbers every day now in, in Nevada of new number of new cases because I don't want to listen to – I don't like to listen to any of the big uh, talk, uh, talk news' interpretation of the numbers. I want to put the numbers out there and, and listen to them myself and not hear some – somebody spin trying to get me to vote one way or the other based upon these things. Mm-hmm. So I've been tweeting every day now with, uh, I, I know I've own... seen the tweets and I actually, I appreciate your tweets cause I feel better at least seeing yours, but I actually won't go look statistically at anything because it's all so it, it's either, I feel like it's either politically driven or it's contradicting somebody else that you don't know where the truth lies. And I feel like that's where the conspiracy is. We don't really know the truth. And I was talking to one of my girlfriends yesterday And I said, you know, we're going to see an influx in cases, which please just realize that we're having a bunch of tests where new tests are coming out. Yeah. So it's going to look like an influx when they're not. It's just testing. More people are being tested. Right. So now we're going to have more results because she's she's more on the hypochondriac paranoia side. So she's like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't think it's safe to be opening things. I don't think it's safe to do these things. And I said, I agree with you to an extent. She's like over the top. She's thinking like next July, like a year away from oh my now. God. Wow. And I'm like, nah, summer. We c- we'll be can. fine by summer. Like, <laughs> uh, but, but by but, the way, the numbers that I'm looking at account for, for what you just said. So, for example, there was a spike yesterday of new cases, but you can also see a spike in number of tests from right. a couple of days ago, which explains why. Uh, and probably what that was was that there was new um, testing over at the Orleans Casino. You can now get a free test no matter what symptoms you have or don't have. And, uh, you know, so you see the spike one day, but it's probably because they turned in all the results from those Orleans right. tests in the same day. But or you know how many like people that. won't say that part and they'll just yeah. run with the spike to, to suit their narrative? And, and, yeah. and that's the part that 
that's why I don't look and I don't pay attention and I don't, um, I forgot where I was recently. Oh, when I was in Hawaii, I was in Hawaii right before the pandemic started. I was in February, end of February. And I was watching TV and I was with the girl I was, was with, we were talking and I said, you know, I never get to see these political ads because I don't actually have real TV. I have Hulu and all these paid streaming services. So I never, I said, I can't wait to go home and go back to streaming. So I don't even have to hear all this bullshit anymore. Like I get so yeah. tired yeah. of the garbage that I don't even want to hear it. Everyone so, should stop watching. I, I honestly, when I, when it comes time to vote and I know I've got my ballots here, um, I do my own research independently when I'm ready to do it. I don't want to see all the, all the propaganda. Just shut up. I, yeah. I don't like seeing the ad yep. boards. They're, yep. they're, they're all over Vegas. They look they make a – I feel like our neighborhoods look trashy and dirty because there's posters and billboards and bullshit everywhere. I like stop that. It's so it's so outdated and old and I no, don't – and I'm going to hang a sign on my door in November or October of, that says quarantined with Ebola virus because um, <laughs> the, the in Vegas, we're sort of a swing state and the number of people that come to our doors at election time is insane – Really? Trying to get us to, yeah, vote for, you know, various it's candidates. Got, oh, I just, just watching TV for 10 days every night and seeing it, I don't remember which election, it was one of the smaller elections was going on. And, every, and I said, you know, some of these commercials I'm going to know by heart by the time I yeah. leave because it just was spilling the same crap. But anyway, so yeah, I, I have a, a, I don't have a theory on, I feel like right now though that we're living in a conspiracy. There's something really going on. I don't think it's all of it uh, is that simple. I don't think it's that. I just don't. So are you but ready I don't know to go why. back to set then, basically? I mean, if somebody was ready to book you today, would you say, okay, I'm I'm good. Let's do this. Under certain conditions, I may or may not. Yeah, yeah. it depends. I, I, don't, I don't feel safe with returning to life to the way it was, and I don't personally think a life will ever be back the way it was before the pandemic. Um, I'm not ready to hop on a plane and go anywhere yet. I am no, not that's ready. one of my new rules. We're not going to shoot anybody that has to get on a plane to get to us. Well, and when the, I don't know if you got the um, the survey from the FFC that said they were sent it out like a, a week ago maybe. Um, I got the survey. I filled it out, and that was one of the things I said I felt comfortable. I, I can return to shooting, but I will not shoot with anyone who's had to travel or who has traveled in the last 14 days. On a plane. I just don't. On a plane. I don't I'm okay safe. if somebody wants to drive here from L.A., I think that's exactly. different. Exactly. But... Or vice versa. There's a blotting of places we can travel safely and and still remain isolated and evaluate where has that person been. And, and you know, I feel like in our industry, we, we kind of work on an honor system anyway because we get our tests and we right. have to hope that that person is practicing the safest sex they can um, on that test and then we're all fucking each other. So why can't we just incorporate covid into that you know yeah you're saying that yeah. you're you haven't traveled you're being honest that you haven't traveled you haven't interacted with anyone with any known symptoms like i want to know those things before i interact with somebody because that is how i've acted my my girlfriend that came and helped me do some shooting yesterday and she shot yesterday i shot her independently we were practicing as much social distance as we can in my house yeah um but we both were working under the caveat that we knew that we've been in isolation this entire time and we're both vegan and we've practiced very healthy habits. So we felt safe. Sure. But would that be, uh, could I put that, can I trust a studio to do that? Do I trust other talent? I don't know that I'm ready to trust anybody yet. 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. I mean, it's a challenge that I know. I know we're going through it right now, trying to figure out how do we make our set. Um, how do we make it with the least possible risk to be fair to performers? It's uh, gonna. It's just gonna be extra t- attention to the cleaning and to the to the all of that. You know. Yeah, but it's of- more than that. Like I need to. So it's like one of the things I need agents to screen performers. Uh, I need agents to assure me that they have asked the performers, hey, do you have underlying medical conditions that could put you at risk? Because it's not just a legal issue. It's a moral issue. I don't want somebody to come onto my set. Absolutely agree with you. I've said the same thing. I'm a person – we kind of talked about this before we started recording. I'm always in the odd percent of everything that happens. Um even my own mother recently said it to me. She said, all your life, you've always been the odd duck mm-hmm. in the sense of, well, my brothers can get something and I won't get it. They could all have strep throat and I won't get strep throat. I'm a carrier. I tend to be a carrier of a lot of things, but I don't become, I'm asymptomatic yeah. because yeah. And, and part of it's my immune system, but now I'm vegan and have that same immune system. And I believe it happens the same way. Like my body is just a, I don't even know. It just does it, it. It does its own thing, and I'm never part of the majority of the statistic. I'm gonna always be in the the minor statistic, and the, that's where I believe I would be now. And I, when I was flying home from Hawaii, I was sitting next to an older man, and he, we were, they were saying something on the speaker about germs or whatever. I think someone had opened a can of Lysol and started spraying it in the plane, and they said, "Don't do that again." That like that's bad for the entire plane. <laughs> Um, and this guy looks at me and rolls his eyes and he's silver haired. Like he, he's definitely on his seventies or so because this is all a bunch of bullshit. I said, you know what? Personally, I just don't like the idea that I could be passing it on to someone else and never be sick. And he goes, I hear you. Yeah. Wear because, your mask. Because, people. Right. Like that's what bothers me is I know that I might not ever get it or might yeah. only carry it. I, I just feel like, because we get AVN flu two years in a row. I've not had AVN flu. And, you know, I watch people get sick around me and I'm like, okay, why am I not sick yet? I expect it. I might get a little cough or a little congestion, like minor, but I don't actually get the full, I'm down. I'm down and out. Well, I'm getting the antibody test next week um, because I believe I've already had it and I think I got it at AVN. Uh, I I think a lot of us did. Yeah. My daughter came right after AVN. We drove down to Anaheim to go to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. The second day we were there, she said, Mom, we can't go today. And I was like, why? She's like, I feel so sick. Yeah. And she stayed in – we stayed in the hotel the entire second day um, nursing her flu. And it was pretty severe. Now, as a result of that, I had a minor – congestion and cough but i never actually got sick that's we what i got that, a minor congestion and cough had, i think she had mm-hmm. covid she Did might you have, have fatigue it. because that's what i got that i didn't connect up until i learned about covid was like why am i so tired where if i take a drink of water i got to go take a nap because of the effort of lifting the glass that little mouth. bit of energy expelled was too much yep for a while and i was like i get I, I thought i was just getting old i was like this is crazy how did i go from being you know pretty active for my age to all of a sudden having to take naps 10 times a day so mm-hmm. all right well there you go everybody that's sophia rose uh, you are so kind to spend time with uh, me and my audience today we said we were going to keep you for an hour we kept you for an hour and 20 minutes plus the 10 minutes that i screwed up in the beginning where we had to redo it so you are very <laughs> generous um tell your social media one more time so that everybody can find you and start buying all your content 
Okay, so Twitter is at BBW Sophia Rose, and Instagram is I Love Sophia Rose. And, um, you know, you can always just use Google and type in my name, and I pretty much always result there um, right in the first top three. Uh, something will result of mine, my website, my Fan Centro. My Fan Centro link takes you to all my links. All my official links are in one. There you go, everybody. Sophia Rose, she did a scene for MeanBitches.com, my website. It was absolutely um, amazing. It was one of our most popular scenes ever. Uh, it's funny because then people start tweeting me saying, oh, so you know, you, you're shooting BBWs? And I was like, it, you don't understand. It's not that anyone said to us, hey, you should shoot BBWs. It's that people saw her scene and said, uh, this is amazing. She's an amazing performer. Her dialogue, her body language... The way she brought a fantasy to life is absolutely amazing. I can't wait to shoot you again. So there you go. I can't everybody. wait to do it again. I had a lot of fun that day. We had a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, we're gonna do it soon, assuming we can put together a set that meets your safety requirements, and I'm pretty confident that we can. Yeah. Because uh, we're working really hard on putting something together right now, so that we can resume shooting at some point in the near future. Um, yeah. So there you go, everybody. Uh, if you just tuned in to the podcast just because you're a fan of Sophia's, you're listening to us for the first time, I would encourage you to hit the subscribe button. You can find us just about everywhere. We're on iTunes, uh, Spreaker, uh, Google Play, Spotify. You can ask your Amazon Alexa to play us. Uh, just say, uh, play the latest episode of Mature Audiences Mayhem. I, that, I don't know how that magically works, but it seems to work. So um, do that and so hit the subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. And there you go, everybody. Uh, I'm Glenn King XXX on Twitter, G-L-E-N-N-K-I-N-G-X-X-X on Twitter. Go find me. Check out all my stuff. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And thank you, Sophia Rose. Yay! Yay! Thank Where's you. My